Hello, welcome back to Nina's Digest. Today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to take a break from talking about the eating instinct, and instead, I'm going to talk about how I passed the RD exam, which just happened about a week and a half ago, uh, or not even, honestly, it was just over a week ago. Um, my internship ended towards the end of July, and I scheduled my exam for, let's see, just two and a half weeks after my internship ended, and I'm going to talk all about what I did leading up to it, how I, how and why I decided to take it so soon after my internship ended, and why it actually isn't that crazy to do, if you ask me. Um you know, and that's because we've been preparing for this, not just during our internships and as we, you know, actually sit down and study for the RD exam, but we've been preparing for it throughout our four or however many years you spent going to school studying nutrition. So yeah, this exam is no joke. It is something that people stress about. It's something that we've been hearing about. If your program was anything like mine, your um, your didactic program, you've probably been hearing about this exam from your professors. And it. I always hated the way that the exam was presented to me. It was almost like, I felt like professors and anyone who I talked to about the exam, not, not my internship preceptors, but I felt like oftentimes I was almost being scared into studying by being told like, oh, well, these questions are nothing like what you'll see on the RD exam. And you just, you have no idea what kind of questions you're going to get on the RD exam. And you're not going to know the answers to the questions on the RD exam. You just have to use your best judgment. And I felt like, I don't know, maybe that works for some people. Maybe it's motivating to some people. But for me, I just took that and I was like, okay, well then how am I supposed to prepare for this? So what I first want to say, having taken the exam, is that I don't think it's as bad as everyone says that it is. It what The reason I think that people talk about it that way is because when you go into your exam, you're really nervous and you're, you're in a place that you've never been in before, like a, it's a Pearson View testing center, You've got other people around taking all other different kinds of exams and you've never seen this test before in the format that is presented to you it's everything's a different font you know maybe you've done some practice questions but everything looks a little bit different so I think that when people say that oh these practice questions are nothing like what you'll get on the RD exam I don't think that's true I think it's just people feeling like a bit of panic when they get to their exam it's really easy to start your exam and just feel, if you're panicking, you feel like, oh my gosh, like I've, I've never seen this question before. Um, and maybe it's worded in a, in a weird way, but it's going to be a concept that you likely have at least heard of before. So having said that, um, first I'll just talk a little bit about test taking for myself in general. I have always been a good test taker, so take that into account as I talk about this. I, I've i been a an SAT tutor for a really long time, an English and Spanish tutor, so 
it does help. I, I feel that you can't just pass this exam with raw knowledge of nutrition alone. You need to spend time answering practice questions and understanding the ways that the test could potentially not try to trick you, but sort of. So for example, there are a lot of questions where you'll need to infer things. So you could get a question about um, a patient with heart failure and maybe in your answers, maybe you've um, got Oh, I'm sorry. And this patient with heart failure, you're being asked to figure out which formula and rate um, is best for this patient for a tube feed. And maybe two of your answers end up giving you the same amount of calories when you do the calculations. But the inference that you'll have to make there is that the patient has heart failure. So if you have, like, let's say A and C would provide, let's say they're different formulas at different rates and they would provide you with the same amount of calories, you might be wondering, okay, well then which one do I pick if the answer turns out to be the same? And that's the case for so many questions on this exam. There's multiple correct answers, but you just have to pick the best one. You'll just have to go back to your question and think, okay, why are they including the fact that this person is in heart failure? Clearly, that is significant. And okay, it means that probably the patient needs to be they could need to be on a fluid restriction so I'm going to pick the formula that has more calories per milliliter so that we can get them the the energy and all of the nutrients that they need without overfilling them with with liquid throughout the day stuff like that where you just really need to take your time um and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when I talk about general test taking tips. I'm definitely going to have to come back to taking your time because I, that's the one thing or it's one thing that I'm really terrible at when I'm taking tests. Um, but first I'll talk about what I did to study. And of course, this is apart from all of the studying that I've done throughout my, um, my didactic program and my master's program, the internship, all of those things you can you need to remind yourself that those things are going to help you answer questions on the exam it does not just come down to how many hours you put in studying in men or whatever resources you have so during the last couple months of my internship i only used the gene and men guide which is considered to be you know the gold standard of rd exam study guides from from what i know and i was really lucky my internship program at Larkin Community Hospital in Miami provides you with the Inman guide and this guide is really expensive I want to say I heard somebody say that it was like 500 or 600 dollars it's a huge binder it's it's supposed to come with audio we actually didn't get the audio from my internship so I ended up getting it from somebody else who used it a couple years prior and that's that's something that I should mention is that if your internship does not provide you with a copy of the Inman Guide binder, try to get it from somewhere. And that doesn't mean that you need to buy it on uh, you know new from Jean Inman herself. I think it's crazy expensive. It's you know it's very helpful. It's an excellent resource. She did a really good job putting it together, but it's super expensive. And at this point you know, my gosh, becoming a dietitian is already like so prohibitive um, from a cost perspective. So 
get the Inman guide, even if it's an older copy. There will be some things missing from it, but what I'll say is that nothing should be incorrect. There, there just are some new sections that have been added, I believe, in the last couple of years because the exam did just change recently. It would still be helpful, though. If you can't afford the new Inman guide and you can maybe get it used from somebody, do it. Um, I found the binder is extremely dry and boring to read through. But what what I did is I highlighted, I made it a little colorful, and then the practice questions I think are really the best part of the Inman guide. Um, so during the last couple months of my internship, I, like I said, I only used Jean Inman. <clears throat> I mostly and I just did one read through of the binder and then for the rest of that that time you know when I was still in my internship I just did practice questions I talked through them with my friend Irene in my program we would and this is this is one of my biggest recommendations for studying is let's say you've gone through Inman you've read the full binder you read all four domains and you are ready to do some practice questions take your time each practice question is not just about getting the right answer and, you know, saying, okay, that's the answer to this question. If you can't answer, if you couldn't answer the question or if you answered it correctly, but you don't really fully know why it's right, you have to go back to that section in Inman and take that as a sign that you're weak in that area and go back and study it. And so Irene and I would come up with different mnemonics to remember certain things. Like I remember uh, in the in domain one, which is um, it's like I forget what it's called, but it's the like principles of nutrition or something like that. Um, there's a whole section on the pigments and food and sort of what happens to them when they're um, put in certain pHs and certain temperatures and if they're water soluble etc and we had chlorophyll which we learned turns into pheophyton in a certain pH and so we decided Irene is a native Spanish speaker we decided that we would remind ourselves that pheophyton starts with what looks like feo which means ugly in Spanish and pheophyton is like a brownish green color and it's what happens when you put something with chlorophyll in an alkaline solution or acidic see now this information is not even (laughs) as top of mind as it was just a week and a half ago but yes um so Irene and I did that we would get together sometimes we would just you know meet on FaceTime other times we would actually get together and you know have a glass of wine and go over some questions which always was fun um and then towards the end of my internship I did another read through of Inman you really need to pace yourself with that Inman it's really it's just it's all one font it it's there aren't really any spaces in between like it's not really organized Personally, I think it's not organized in a way that helps your brain retain the information. For me, I need things to to look a certain way. I, I like for things, you know, for a heading to be in a larger font for my brain to understand, okay, everything underneath this heading is is related to whatever this section is. And that's just not how Inman is. So you have to do whatever you have to do in order to 
turn it into something that your brain can really use and remember. So what I did is, like I said, towards the end of my internship, I did my my another read through of Inman. And as I did it, I did it really slowly because I took notes in an empty notebook and I almost completely filled it up. And I only took notes on the things that I needed to memorize. To be fair, it was almost everything because a lot of this information is, you know, it's stuff that you understand, but it's not stuff that you feel that you have memorized necessarily as you read through Inman. But if you're someone who learns well by rewriting things, this could be really helpful for you. It was also helpful to just have the things that I didn't know in one place. So you've got this Inman binder. It's huge. It's hundreds of pages. Like I said, no offense, Jean, but it's boring. It's boring to read through. So understanding that if I took the time to put in a notebook just the information that I knew that I needed to memorize and that I didn't know, it gave me this feeling of, uh, okay, I was sort of relieved thinking like when I'm studying, I can go through this notebook faster because it doesn't have all of the information in it because I don't need all of the information. Each of us have certain things that we already know or understand. So I could leave that out in my notebook and not have to worry about going through so much content when I went back and studied. Let's say I wanted to study domain two. I had a lot, I had fewer pages to, to read through in my notes than I would have if I had just been studying from Inman because I had rewritten it and I had only written down what was really important for me to go over and study. <clears throat> and I would only recommend doing this after doing the practice questions, not all of them, but just some, because that really helps me know as I went through and then the binder, what, you know, at that point, once you've done practice questions, you kind of have a better idea of what areas you're weak in. So after my internship ended, um, you're, somebody with your internship needs to submit all of your information, all of your timesheets, I'm not sure exactly what else, to CDR, and then they need to approve you. You'll get an email saying that you are eligible to schedule your exam. So that did not take very long for us. I think I got my email from the CDR maybe just two or three days after my internship ended, and I was able to schedule my exam for about two and a half weeks later. And the reason I did that is because I was going on vacation with my family. I just got back from Jackson Hole and I had a really hard time deciding what I was going to do, but I kept thinking to myself, wouldn't it just be nice if I could get this exam out of the way and not have to be studying on this trip? And you know, obviously the flip side of that is how awful it would be if I had failed and been really, um, you know, in a bad mood. But I like to think that I would have tried to forget about it during that week, even if I had failed, which was a distinct possibility. And once I was able to schedule my exam, I sat down and I put together a pretty intense study plan slash schedule that told me what I needed to do every day. So I just wrote down each day that I had left leading up to my exam, which in my case was, must have been, I think it was 20 days that I had from the time that I scheduled. And I wrote down, okay, on this day, I'm going to review the first half of domain one, and I'm going to do some domain one practice questions, and I'm going to listen to a podcast. Um, I'll, I'll mention that in a little bit. There are a couple podcasts you can listen to that will help you think through RD exam questions. And that took the stress of feeling, it took away the stress of feeling like I had so much to study at once, and like every day I didn't know where to start. So it helped just being able to wake up every morning and not having to make that decision of what am I going to study today. I had the peace of mind of knowing I created this plan with 
sort of a strategy in mind, knowing, for example, that domain two is 40 something percent of the exam. So I definitely, and it was also my weakest domain. So as I created my study schedule, I made sure to put extra focus on domain two. And so I didn't need to wake up and sort of panic and think, am I putting my focus in the right place? I just sort of woke up and did what was on my schedule and then was able to forget about it and do whatever else I had to do that day and just trust that I was doing what I needed to do for myself. And that was really helpful. So every day I was going back to my schedule and seeing what I needed to do. And since I'm talking about actually scheduling the exam, I will say too that even if you feel like you want to take your exam let's say you are not a good test taker and you've done some practice questions and you feel like you need a really long time to study, I would still say schedule your exam as soon as you can. I think that since COVID started, it's the um, the appointments that have been available at these Pearson testing centers are few and far between. Uh, they're, they're scheduling things differently. I don't know if not as many of the testing centers are open, but I know that I didn't have very many options when I was scheduling my exam. There was a Pearson closer to where I am in Tampa that had like no appointments for the next couple months. So I had to drive. It was, it wasn't bad. It was only like 45 minutes, but I drove to this town. I think it was called Lakeland to take my exam. And so that's reason number one is that you don't know what's going to be available. So just secure your spot. You can, I think you have up to 48 hours before the exam to reschedule it. So it's not like when you schedule your exam, there's no going back. You lose your money. You can always reschedule it for no cost. But the other thing is that without scheduling your exam, I think that you will have a harder time motivating yourself to really study. I, For me personally, I need a date to look forward to. That's sort of like lighting a fire under my ass to study. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to put it off and I, I don't even have a date in mind. I don't even know, you know, what exactly I'm preparing for if I don't have my exam scheduled. So schedule your exam and that'll, that'll get you to study, hopefully. The next thing that I would recommend is using the app called Pocket Prep. I think that they've changed the name. It's like Medical Prep now, but basically you Google it, you'll find it. And they're, the reason it's called Medical Prep is because they have, um, they have prep for different exams. So I don't know what the other exams are that they, that they have information for, but they have RD exam prep. And yes, just search medical pocket prep. You can get a month of the app for what I think is $25. And this app is just incredible. It's it's an amazing break from doing Inman questions, which are just so hard to look at. It's, you just got, you've got like just the most boring black and white text page after page after page. And, it, and Inman is a thousand questions. Pocket Prep is a sort of visually appealing app that it has 800 practice questions. And when you do, you can put together an exam with, you know, sometimes I would just sit down and feel like, okay, I really don't feel like reading or studying anymore. I'm just going to sort of sit down, listen to music and answer 15 practice questions from domain two, again, which I said was my weakest domain. And that was so helpful for me because anytime you answer a question on, on pocket prep, whether you get the answer right or wrong, there's a drop down that will tell you why the answer that 
you chose was right and why the other answers are wrong. So I would look at those explanations every time I answered a question, even if I got an answer right and felt like I understood it. Sometimes I would learn something by clicking on that drop down thing and reading whatever they had to say about the question. Um, another cool thing about Pocket Prop is that it does a really good job of keeping track of how you're doing within each domain, which is important, right? Because with this exam, you guys probably know this if you're this far in already, but you can't just say to yourself, oh, domain four is only like 15% of the exam. That's not right, but it's around there. Um, domain four is only, it's less than 20% of the exam. So I can just not really study domain four and I can pass the exam because we know that for this test, you have to get a certain number of questions correct within each domain, even if one of the domains is a lot is weighted a lot less as far as the exam goes. So I would occasionally go into my stats within Pocket Prep and see how I was doing. And without fail, domain two, nutrition care was always the hardest for me. So I would spend extra time doing those questions. Um, you can also flag questions that you, whether you get it right or wrong, you can flag a question that you think you need to come back to if it's something that you think you need to understand more fully. You won't see the exact same questions on your exam by any means, but they will be somewhat similar. And part of passing this exam, I think, is just being able to strategically eliminate certain answers and choose the best one. You won't know the answer to every question on the exam, which I hated when people said that to me before I took mine, but it's true. I mean, I think 20, is it 25 of the exam questions are like quote unquote test questions. So meaning they're not graded and they're using these questions to, I think, determine if they want to put them on future exams and have them actually be graded. So you're going to get a lot of questions that you're familiar with, and then you're going to get a lot of other questions with you know, keywords that you've never heard of before. And having done a bunch of practice questions makes, it puts you in a position where you can maybe eliminate, if you can just eliminate two answer choices that you think are wrong, you've got a much higher chance of getting that question right. Even if you have no idea really what is even being asked or what the concept is behind the question. So another thing that I started doing that I wish I had started doing earlier actually is listening to a couple of podcasts. Um, sometimes you just get really sick of being, you know, seated and reading. So I would listen to one called Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam and another one called Dietetics with Dana. And I actually was in her Facebook group too. And these are awesome, these podcasts, because they take questions that students have submitted um, from all different resources. So for example, there is no way that I was going to pay for visual veggies or the all access study guide just because through my internship, I had already paid for Inman. I had just paid, you know, $10,000 or whatever to do this internship. I didn't want to have to buy every study guide, but students submit questions to these podcasts, or I think just to Dietetics with Dana, and then on Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam, the host chooses his own questions, but it is a, just another way to learn. So you can listen to these while you're going for a walk, and I think that, I think that there's some research behind sort of learning while you're doing physical activity, while your blood is pumping. Um, I know it helps me. Sometimes I just wanted to get out of the house. I would just put on a couple of these podcasts, maybe take like an hour long walk and 
hearing concepts that you think that you already have a full grasp on, sometimes just hearing it explained in a different way by another person gives you another, just sort of rounds out your understanding of everything. And I think that those podcasts and just listening to these people who I know that Dana, she actually tutors people, listening to her explanations for how to, for, you know, why certain answers were correct, why, why certain were wrong, how to approach the questions that she talked about was so helpful. And then another thing I would do when I would take these walks or even just be doing chores is I would listen to Inman. Like I said, I got the audio recordings from actually from my elective preceptor who was awesome and so kind to share it with me. So it was old, so it was missing a couple of things, but I would just put on those Jean and Min recordings whenever I'd be doing laundry, anything else around the house, or when I'd be going for walks, especially when you start to feel like you don't want to do any more reading closer to the exam, which will happen. Okay, lastly, I'll do, I'll go over some just general exam taking tips, exam taking tips in the days leading up you should start to taper off your studying. This is uh, sounds obvious, but cramming for this exam isn't really helpful. You will want to focus more on your mindset as you get up to the last few days before your exam. So for me, that meant exercising and doing yoga and some finding some test-taking affirmations, which I didn't even know existed, but I just Googled it and it was really helpful to me. You have to sort of just build your confidence in whatever way you know works for you. Maybe that's like power posing in the mirror. I don't know if you guys have heard of power posing, but it's supposed to help. You need to picture yourself walking into the exam room and passing it. You have to see it. You have to feel it because it's so easy to just walk in there and panic. I've heard so many people say that they've done that and they don't want that to be you. So on the day of the exam, make sure that you have, you know, the night before, have everything laid out for yourself, have your breakfast planned, know what you're going to bring with you, have it all in your backpack or whatever you're going to bring with you, you know, your, your signed ID, your snack and water for before and afterwards, some comfortable clothing and make sure you dress in layers because I mean, my exam room was freezing. So I wore just a comfortable t-shirt and I brought a sweatshirt that I ended up wearing throughout the whole exam because my testing center was so cold in Florida. Another thing is know exactly how to get to your exam site. On the morning of your exam, don't, don't study, do some affirmations, listen to a podcast, remind yourself that you've prepared for this for years. The studying that you did for this exam is really just an added bonus on top of your past experiences and education. So go in with confidence, tell yourself that you're already a registered dietitian and that you're just getting credentialed today. The biggest thing that I wish I had done a better job at is taking my time. So you have two and a half hours to take this exam and it has 125 questions. As I prepared for this test, I thought, oh my gosh, that's not enough time. What if I get all these math heavy, you know, food service, food science questions? What if I'm calculating really complicated TPN? How am I going to finish this exam in time? I took my exam in what I think was 45 minutes, which is, I did not make use of the time that I was given. I had two and a half hours. And like I said earlier, a lot of these questions are pretty tricky and two of the answers are often correct and you just have to pick the best one. So that wasn't smart of me. I think I really should have slowed down. 
obviously it worked out okay, but I would say come up with a plan for how far along you want to be in the exam once you reach certain points. So for example, you could say, okay, I want to be at least halfway through the exam once I reach question 80. And I say that because you could get 140 questions on your exam. There's a version of the test that will give you up to 140 questions. And so yes, take your time and know that if you fail, which I always had to remind myself of, you're not alone. There are so many amazing dietitians out there that had to take their exam multiple times before they passed. And once you do pass, nobody is ever going to ask you how many times you took the exam. It's not like some kind of badge of honor uh, that you don't put on your resume that you passed your exam the first time. Nobody cares. All that matters is that you eventually pass this exam and you will. So good luck. Let me know if you have any questions and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.